0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Cop Table Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Phillips. Alongside me co-hosting this evening is our regular Peter Collis. How are you, Pete? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Very well, thank you. Okay, on tonight's show we have Nick Tanner. Nick made... 51 appearances for Liverpool between 1988 and 1994, scoring one goal in a Merseyside derby. Nick has also previously played for Bristol Rovers and had loan spells at Norwich and Swindon Town. Nick is now currently a freelance media analyst and corporate events manager who is hosting stars shows up and down the the UK with many of the LFC legends involved. So very warm welcome to the show, Nick. Good evening, both Peters. That's going to get confusing. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely fine. Okay, what we're we going to do next? Start off from the beginning. You're playing for Bristol Rowers as a midfield player, making your debut, 20 years of age. Three years later, Liverpool come calling. How did it all come about, and what was your feelings when you heard of the the interest from Liverpool Football Club?
1: People have probably read it, but it's it's one of the funniest stories ever. Because, uh, uh, as I said many a time, I didn't. Really want to be a footballer. It just sort of came along and I enjoyed playing football and professional football was a million miles away from from where I was in Bristol, just going out with my mates on a Friday night, like most people do nowadays, and yeah. having a few pints on a Friday night and playing football on a Saturday. Then I got a, um, a little bit better and got to started getting paid sort of £7 a week for playing for Mangotsfield. And uh, because Bristol Rovers were in such financial turmoil, I think they were looking for local lads and about three or four of us got picked up from Mangotsfield and started playing for Bristol Rovers. And I actually made my debut when I was still working at British Aerospace, came on his sub against our arch-rivals, Bristol City, and managed to score in that game as well. So, and then had a few pints and, as you do afterwards, and then went to work the next morning at seven o'clock. So, it was one of them sort of things. So, uh, playing for Liverpool was was a million miles away from where I wanted to be. So, um, and again with bristol rovers and had no ambitions apart from playing every week earning your money doing the best you could and to my surprise that um ron yates was watching the game and apparently he heard i was gonna you know my contract was was running out and i didn't really want to stay at bristol rovers and he inquired choice then of either going to the league champions which were Liverpool at the time or to torquay i think avoided relegation from the whole league by about two points i think so I went from one extreme to the other. I was going to go to Torquay and ended up going to Liverpool. So they all say you need a bit of luck. And I think I had a bit of luck that I went out and give 100% every game. So one of the things I always told the players when I managed later on is you never know who's watching, you know, to just make sure you give 100%. So that's how it happened, really. So it's quite a shock, really.
0: So I bet you it took a very long time to make that decision, didn't it, Nick, between um, Torquay United and the Reds?
1: <laughs> well, funny enough, the Conversation I had with Cyril Knowles, who, who passed away, but it was a wonderful chat we had for about an hour on the phone. He was telling me about all these, um, you know, lovely women. Dan, you're a single lad, and we got all the students from Scandinavia and stuff, so we sort of selling it quite well to a to a single lad of 20 back in them days. And, um, when I spoke to Kenny, I couldn't understand a word he was saying, like a lot of people, but <laughs> so uh, and I thought it was a wind up that's a genuine story. I did think it was a wind up one of the lads winding me up, so bear in mind, this was the days. When we didn't have mobiles, so you had one phone in the house, and it was a. Uh, I thought it was my dad who shouted up to me, but it's, it wasn't. It was my mum took the phone call from Kenny, and and it was my dad who actually shouted up, but it was my mum who took the call. And I just said, "Don't be stupid." Somebody called Kenny, and it was like <laughs> it didn't really register. Do you know what I mean? It's one of them sort of things. So, but yeah, it, I, there was a number for me to ring, and I rang the number back, and it was Kenny Leash on the end. So, when I saw the number, that was when I realised it was actually true. So. <laughs>
2: Fantastic story, Nick, yeah? Story. Superb. I'm going to go over to, yet yeah, one and only goal for Liverpool. How did it feel to score a goal at Goodison Park in a Merseyside derby? Well, I, I would say the the
1: best feeling I've ever had was the Bristol one because it was something, you know, it was, it was against our arch rivals, but a close second is, is obviously that goal against the arch rivals. But it And it was unexpected because it was back in the days and it only just crossed the line. And nowadays yeah. it would probably be 50-50 whether it went in or not, but... You know, it was one of them things, and I remember Marsh, Mike Marsh was playing. I got get on well with Marsh, and you know, I always have done. Do you know what I mean? We roomed together and stuff like, that and came sort of through the reserves to it. So, him being on the pitch as well, I am remember him, you know, grabbing me around the neck and all that sort of stuff. So, that was <laughs> one of the first things I thought about was, oh God, am I might have. But it, it, I think it was more of a shot than anything else. It actually scored, so I came close a couple of times. I mean, it was in them days when we didn't really practice corners or anything, so you didn't practice set pieces. I can't ever remember doing anything um, on a forward sort of sense, going forward, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. It was just taken for granted, you just went wherever you wanted to go. So it's one of them. And I somehow ended up at the near post and uh, got a deflection and it, it went through Neville's legs,
2: I think. But So yeah, it was just a bit of shock, really, to be honest. Yeah, superb. Would you say that's, that's right. your most uh, memorable moment as a Liverpool player? Will be because
1: obviously it's in the press and everything. But I, I actually, I mean, I again doing this book, I'm sure I'm you're going to do a book from Afield to Anfield to just show people that it's not, you know, an easy ride all the way through. But if you do yeah. keep trying, you can actually end up achieving things. And I see so many players, I even see them now from my Bristol days when I was playing for Mangersfield, that said, Oh, I was a better player than you back in the day. And I always look around and say, Yeah, but I worked harder, obviously, because I got on more and I made it all the way through. People always doubting me all the time. You know, you weren't good enough to go to, to play for Mangotsfield first of all. Then it was you weren't good enough to play for Bristol Rovers. And then and I still get it to this day. You weren't good enough to play for, for Liverpool. But you know, I just think I, I was. I worked hard and I tried hard too.
0: So, exactly, and making know. fifty-one appearances and to be still a, lot of that shit. And the name on the team <laughs> by people like Graham Soonish, you can't have done much wrong, Nick. Okay, um, nineteen eighty-nine, making your debut against Manchester City. How did that feel to pull on the red shirt?
1: Now, that was probably the the best experience because, again, Mike Marsh was on the bench with me. So we were not expecting to go on. And Gary Gillespie got injured, I think, after 10 minutes mm. or or something like that. It was really early in the game. I can remember that. And again, in them days, you only did a couple of runs up and down the line. Then you were ready to go on. So you just chucked yeah. into it. And But I always say going forward it was it's so much easier playing in that team so I, again i was reminded of it the other day i even, I c- couldn't remember that i played in the in the you know the championship winning um season i played i think you know, three or four games or something like that so but yeah going into that team i mean that was a proper team wasn't it? so it was quite easy to slot in and um i think we won
2: 4-0 excellent stuff go on p what's your next one which liverpool player did you get on well with the most
1: nick well marshy and like I said, Mike Marsh, to me, was exactly the same as me, really. he was. And again, I've seen it on television. I've seen other interviews with the lads when they say, uh, if you don't stand up for yourself, you will crack. And I've seen loads of you know all the ex-players saying the same sort of thing. But I, me and Marsh, he sort of had a bit more about us, where we would give as good as we got, so to speak. So he was like, our Kirby lad. So if anybody said anything to him, he'd, he'd stand up for himself and sort of speak out. So him and then Bruce, I got on really well with. And so going back in them days it's difficult because we were outsiders in a team that's just won sort of three championships on the trot or three out of the four years. So they were quite a settled team. And then, you know, obviously one with Graham coming in, it, uh, it made it a bit difficult, you know, and I think some of them resented us coming in, but I think, you know, we'll go on to that later, later stage, but I think Graham was doing it for the right reasons. But, um, a lot of people didn't see it that way at the time, but, but I'll explain some of it or hopefully to some people and then perhaps they'll see a different side of Graham soon as his time there. But, um, yeah, so Mike Marsh, I would say.
2: Oh, very good. What type of a uh, manager was Graham Souness like to play for, Nick? All Graham wanted was you to go out and give
1: 100% for the shirt, which is what I said to people is if it weren't good enough, then that's fine. But I never went out once and not give 100%. I've seen players since, you know, I make Mr Balotelli go out and just walk around, yet some fans would still let him get away with that. I, he wouldn't have lasted two minutes in them days. But oh, that's all Graham wanted, was people to go out and try 100%. And, you know, a lot of things happened, like I said, that... Um, was seen as a bad light on his management style but I think he'd done a lot of good stuff for it and gave a lot of lads debuts that wouldn't have got a game before so Robbie Fowler I saw today on the on, on Sky sorry when Robbie was saying that Graham has picked him first of all there's another one so you know he gets a lot of stick but he also brought a lot of lads through
0: Well on so Nick yeah just got a question for you here. is this a true story or not your mum did she not used to go and watch you for fear of you receiving a yellow card is that a true story
1: no, it was actually uh, a fear of me getting injured. But she never, ah, she never watched thanks. anyway. It's one, it's one of the stories I always say that mum and dad never, very rarely went to watch me play. Even as a youngster, they were a hardworking family, and they, you know, I, I used to spend the summers with my nan and all that. But they were, they were hardworking. They didn't really take a lot of interest, to be honest. So, but yeah, she used to listen to the radio, or watch on the television. But I don't think she ever watched me play live, to be honest. There's one for you. I think my dad did. My dad went a few times, but um, I don't think mum did. Untrue. Um, spot on.
0: Yeah. Okay, P, ask the next one. Then we're gonna um, go to the to the Twitter questions. What's your next one, P?
2: Yeah, I was just gonna ask uh, Who would you say is the best Liverpool player that you played with, Nick? John Barnes, without, without
1: a shadow of doubt. we lucky to play in the team when you know, like I said before, when they were winning everything, and John was at his prime, so without a shadow of doubt. And the other one, and he, he gives me a lot of sticks, saying I, he was one. I, he was one of the worst players he played with. Um, but Jan, <laughs> but Jan Mulby, I would say Jan. I once said to Jan, "If I had his ability and my fitness, I'd be captain of England." And he turned around and said, "Yeah, but you're a shite." So that was his answer. Charming. <laughs> no, no, we got Jan's, Jan's. very dry, you know. Yeah, tongue in cheek. Yeah, but but no, honestly, Jan could have been. I know he was a great player, but he could have been so much better if he if if he could have just got a bit fitter. I think so, you know. It's only a, a opinion, but I just think if if he could have got that that little bit fitter, he'd have been well up there with all the greats at Liverpool. So. Yam would be a close, not close second, but Yam would be second.
2: Well, cheers, thanks,
1: Nick.
0: Okay, just a couple of questions off off the Twitter that we advertise for, Nick. We've got one here off sparra one thousand one hundred. He says, "Do you have
1: a favourite player for Liverpool this season?" Well, I did put a little a little um, quiz thingy on it, didn't I? I put two pictures on there, and I would say love my mate Lovren because he's I think he's turned most of the fans round from haters to believers as exactly in the words of what Klopp said so I, I was saying earlier on to somebody one of the things I like about Klopp is he's come in and he's got players to do what they're good at not to try and do things they couldn't do under Rogers, I think Lovren was trying to be an Alan Hansen type defender and he's certainly not that so it got him in a lot of trouble but since Klopp's come in I think even Klopp said he couldn't believe all the stick he was getting so he sort of made him into a 10 times better player and um, I, I would say Lovren only because he was sort of similar to me, I would say.
0: Yeah, i, I actually seen them two little um, pictures that you wrote back to him <laughs> on Twitter. And to be honest, I couldn't work out who it was. I was thinking, Get out. oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> runner. So I couldn't think who it was. And now you, you, just, you just nailed it there with, with Lovren, yeah. Okay, next question is from uh, Liam Fargan. Oh, we've actually answered, you've asked, 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 answered that one. You said it was John Barnes. He asked who was the best player that you... Um, Played with at Liverpool Football Club. Okay, let's uh, go to the to the next question, what we had. Right, this is off the Liverpool 66. Ask Nick for me, was he sort of surprised that a club like Liverpool Football Club came in for him as a, a relatively unknown player back at uh, Bristol City?
2: Bristol Rovers. Bristol Rovers, sorry. <laughs> yeah,
1: as I said before, yeah, total surprise. I was, I was going to Torquay at the bottom of the league and ended up going to a team at the top of the league but I, I didn't have any pretensions to get in the team. And one of the things that everybody knows about is how they used to get players from the lower leagues in them days and spend three or four years in the in the reserves. And I, I was just not expecting to play. you know? I mean, I didn't. So, you know, and it was a total culture shock for me uh, when I went there. So, no, I didn't expect to go there, obviously. Yeah, that's what I said. It's one of them surreal things. You've got a choice from the worst, one of the worst teams in the league, the whole league, to one of the best teams in in the world, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, another question here, Bruce Grabbler. Do you have any uh, any untold stories about Brucey?
1: Yes, but they're going in the book. Ah, but right. I can now. I can tell you one. A real one. I'll reveal one that happened to us on my first ever trip, and we were playing in a preseason tour in La Coruña in Spain in the tournament, and we. I think it must have been the uh, over the European Cup final. I think was on on that night. And we went for a walk. Bruce said, Do anybody fancy going for a walk? Which I just thought meant go for a walk. <laughs> and we went and we had a couple of beers. That's all. And then we watched the game and we got back and we literally had a couple of beers. But when I got back to the room, I was rooming with Jan Mulby. He said, uh, Ronnie Moran's been round," which he used to come around, checking where you were. And instead of sort of saying, well, yeah, he's gone for a walk with Bruce. Jan said, I ain't got a clue where he's gone. And so <laughs> he dropped me in it. And then, so the next morning in training, they obviously knew and Ronnie Moran sort of said a couple of things to me and I just didn't think nothing of it. Went out in the game. First half, Bruce, brilliant. I think we were nil nil at half time or something. Came out in the second half. He stood on the ball once, <laughs> gave a goal away, dribbled out with it another time and gave another goal away. And it was like, Oh my god, here we go. And then Alan Hansen got injured. I mean, one of the funniest things ever, me and Mike Cooper were carrying him because we didn't have didn't have a stretcher for whatever reason. And it was like a windy sort of steps going down, and we banked. Must have he had he did his knee ligaments in, but we were carrying him So we in between the two of us, and we must have hit his knee about ten times going down these stairs. <laughs> I think we made it ten times worse. But um, obviously after the game, Kenny went ballistic. And to me, you know, your first ever trip, and you're, you're effing doing this, and you're effing doing that. And fair play to Bruce; he put his hands up and says it was him who, who sort of got me to come out. But. Yeah, so we were on a curfew then for the rest of the trip, but I did actually play in the next game. I think we won 4-0. So that started off with Bruce, and we had loads of other escapades like that. But um, yeah, he could have got us out of trouble if he played well, but he did his normal brilliant first half, and then (laughs) one of his clown moments in the second half (laughs) just turned into a farce.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there was no um, La Manga moments with fire extinguishers going off and stuff like that. It was only a few beers, wasn't it?
1: It was, it was literally a, a couple of beers watching the we had probably had one in the first half and one in the second I'm sure, we'll find out what, what game it was in the European Cup that year You probably, if you looked at it, but literally went for a walk but it makes it ten times worse when when that happens the next day and everybody thinks you've been out and had ten points but we hadn't And yeah. I can remember Evo because the next night everybody else went out and we had to stay in the rooms and I can remember Evo coming into the room and he was absolutely paralytic, <laughs> giving us a little stick um, so it's just those funny little things you think, and that was my first trip. So I learned the hard way and uh, I didn't get anywhere near the first team for ages after that. So whether that helped or not, I don't know. But I played right in the second games. So we won four 0 too. But no, that was our first trip.
0: Spot on, excellent stuff. Talk just a little, talking a little bit about the the current uh, current day Liverpool side and the, and your opinions on the current manager Jurgen Klopp. What's your thoughts, Nick?
1: I think he's the best thing that could have happened to the club for the fit. From where he came from, uh, I wasn't a Brendan Rodgers fan. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, I don't think his styles uh, worked. I think uh, again, probably because I knew Mike Marsh and I, I probably was looking at a bit more in depth. What when he did that to Marcy and Colin Pascoe, I thought, well, that's, that just went right down in my estimations. When he, yeah. he let two of his staff go and kept his own job, I didn't. If that'd have been me. I'd have walked as well and managed myself, and I, would, yeah. I certainly wouldn't have stayed there. But Klopp's come in. I, 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 I put it this way. I guarantee Klopp wouldn't do that. If it was his two right hand men now, he would, you know, they said you've got to get rid of them and he would walk with them. So, but he, he's coming now. He's breath of fresh air. He's brilliant. Says it as it is. And the best thing about it is, having worked in the press, the best thing is in the press conferences when he actually, you know what he's going to say, don't you? When they ask the stupid questions, he just gets up and walks off. I think that's brilliant.
0: Yeah, his response <laughs> is great, isn't it? He? he just, um, he gives it straight back to the journalist as if like they've got two heads. He, he doesn't he- care, does he?
1: But we all know that don't we you you know anybody on any common sense i find it r- unbelievable some of the questions they ask of a manager do you know what i mean and you think that's what everybody would say you want to back talking rubbish again but he says as it is whereas brendan would go on for 10 hours telling us that even when they lose that it's the best performance he's ever seen and and he's thinking no it wasn't and <laughs> it wasn't what game are you watching
0: yeah. yeah
1: but he should have been a politician brendan rogers i, I think he'd have been a good prime minister
0: yeah, everyone, uh, one of them spin doctors either done a great oh. job at one of them.
1: It's, but Klopp says that, as it is, and I think that's what everybody likes—is he's so honest, to probably to a fault. But he—but that's how he is, you know. And he, the, the season we had last year, even though we didn't win anything from what from what he take what he took over was unbelievable. Wasn't it? Let's be honest about it—you you couldn't have dreamed for that finish. And uh, this year, I think minimum top four, and I, and I think a, a trophy as well to go with it would be superb. And I think that's what we'll get.
0: Stuff. Nick. Go on, P, Go on, um, ask Nick another one before we head be
2: honest, our still, little Nick, quiz. Nick's just stole me question. I was going to say, uh, what could you oh. think of <laughs> achieve this season? I was thinking, I'll get it in now, and he's just <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, but I I genuinely do, because I think, you know, you've seen the first few games. Everybody's got sort of carried away with the Burnley game, but like I said to somebody the other week, they didn't even play that bad. It's just that they didn't score. They had so much possession. Yeah. Had they got one, they'd have got two or three. And I think Burnley had two shots and they got two goals out of it. So they didn't actually play bad in that game. It's the games like that when you think if they'd even got a nil-nil out of it and they couldn't score and not let the silly goals in. But one thing I would say in this day and age is it's impossible to be a a, a defender nowadays, you know. It's, it's difficult, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I used to, when Brendan Rodgers was manager, I was looking at the two centre-backs and thinking... I'd hate to be them in that sort of team, the way they play. Do you know what I mean? It was they get stretched all over the place. They're expected to play, and it's, it, it's become a game where defending, you know, the art of defending, sort of gone, isn't it? So um, they're saying about the defence, but it's the way he plays. He wants to play like that, and it doesn't matter yeah. what what people say about our defence. It's not as bad as people make out, and we let silly goals in because we're so gung ho going forward. I mean, our friend Moreno. Well, <laughs> I don't know what he's doing half the time, but. <laughs> um, and I feel a lot safer with Milner back in there even though he's not a, a, a defender but he's done a great job so again Klopp's picked him out I didn't think anybody else would have saw Milner playing left back
0: I totally agree with you what you're saying as well um, Nick about people uh, cast an opinion saying that Liverpool aren't as strong as at the back is what you think and I know Rio Ferdinand was one who, who said um, oh yeah I think Liverpool are still a little bit suspect at the back but he doesn't give any reasons and it's one of the things yeah, he no. up on, on, his, um, on his Monday Night Football he said yeah I don't mind listening to people as long as you've got a valid reason yeah. for giving them opinions people like Ferdinand just throwing a comment and yet yeah, Liverpool is shaky at the back but he's not giving an opinion he's just saying something that they're like, yeah. like following the crowd he's like a, he's like a sheep so yeah, it's not- exactly.
2: That's the what problem you got is
1: control. though, isn't it? But that's the problem you got. You see, people people look at the television and and I said it before and I had to go at Mickey Quinn on, on one of the programs. I tweeted some about something and somebody came back and said Mickey Quinn's you know played more games than you and summer. So and I said, Look, just because he gets paid for an opinion, don't mean you he say he's right and it's true. Just because yeah. they're on there, and Rio Ferdinand and whoever's on the television, they're only giving their opinion. They're not actually factual, that they are definitely right. I'd rather listen to what Klopp says than somebody turn around and say, No, I don't agree with that, because he knows how he wants them to play. And if he wanted to sit in there and say, What we're gonna do in the second half, we're gonna all sit in and not let Milner go and not let any both fullbacks go, are right, you gonna sit. We can play like that if you want to play that. But he doesn't. He wants to just go for the juggler all the time, which is fine. And like he said when he first came in, it's gonna be a roller coaster ride and you can be on the seat of your pants. Well, that's ten times better than watching right. a game where he just sat back for a, for a nail nail or something, but that would never happen in the rim.
2: What annoys me as well, though, is I think when all the journalists and all the, the pundits jump on the bandwagon and Liverpool having a poor defence, and we can see goals. Look who we've played this season. we played yeah. last year's champions, Arsenal away, Tottenham away, Chelsea away, Swansea away, all sides that, especially your Arsenal's, your Chelsea's and your Tottenham's at home, they're going to come at you, they're going to attack. All of them can score goals. With whom we know Arsenal can, Chelsea can, and Tottenham can. So I think it's no disgrace to concede goals against sides like that. And I'm sure I read the other day in our last five games we've conceded four goals. So really, I don't think that's a bad stat. And
1: no, just it, they just they just jump. Like start. you said, they jump on the bandwagon. They see it and yeah. they that, they use that as an excuse. You uh, you know you you watch and analyse the game beforehand, and they'll say exactly the same. And you just yeah. want one of them to actually go, well, like you just said just now, get the facts. Show us the facts then, what, what are you actually saying? They're saying about defence, the whole team is a defence. Liverpool used to defend and everybody knows that Ian Rush was the best defender we had in the day because he shut people down. But you, it's a team. And if we're playing and we're scoring one more, well, more than them, it doesn't matter. Because that's how he wants to play. It's not like Kevin Keegan's, Kevin Keegan's Newcastle... Just everybody bombed forward. And they were they were bad at the back, weren't they? The goals he let in, but we haven't let five or six in in a game, have we? <laughs> they used to let in. I think Matip's come in. He's, he's and him and Lovren look superb. I think together, and you know. But then you see Klein, who's, who's an attacking fullback, but he gets back. Everybody knows. Everybody's shocked that he didn't sign the left back. Even to this day, I can't work it out. But I thought he, what he might do is play Clavin there, because he played there um in his younger days but he you know it's an option for him again to try and do that so as long as it's not Moreno bless his cotton socks I love him but he's not experienced enough to to play in it and you see Milner go in there now it's like he's like the old-fashioned sort of winger come fullback, and he just does everything so simple and that's what Moreno should be learning off of him but going forward Moreno's great I think he'd be a great wing back but never in a million years is he a fullback
0: excellent stuff yeah and um we're going to talk a lot more to uh, to Nick on the on the Manchester United preview next week as well about uh, the current Liverpool side. So what we're going to do now is um, what we do Nick on on each podcast, and we're going to continue in uh, the same vein with yourself. We do a we do a five question shootout quiz between our two <laughs> guests. Now while um, we haven't got an opposition fan on, we will have next week. We've got um, the quiz is going to be between yourself and Peter. So, I've done um,
1: five questions each. This could be a nil nil. We could be on for hours here. Yeah. So, yeah, all
0: Liverpool related questions. And hopefully, one of us will a win because I've not got a a tiebreaker question as always.
3: Oh,
0: God. Right. (laughs) So, that could be anything. I'll have to get get on Google and sort something out if that happens.
2: It won't happen. My tiebreaker questions are like P. Oh, God. Christ. Some of them sets back about 50 years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't be scaring Nick now. The no, no, best one was that one there. That's, let's see if Nick actually knows it before we start. The team's ground that's closest to the River Mersey. Do you know who it is, Nick? Tranmere. No, it's not. It's a lower league team. It's not one of the Merseyside clubs. Oh, right. Oh, fair enough.
1: Yeah, it's actually
0: Stockport County.
1: Is it? Well, yeah. that's... Yeah, well, yeah, if we're asking questions with Stockport in it, I mean... Uh, we got no chance, have we? It is definitely <laughs> going to be a nil-nil. We're going I'm back to go Brendan Rodgers' days. No, that was just a tiebreaker question from the past. Oh, right. One of them that
0: we asked with uh, Matt Smith off BT Sport. We're in a and yeah. I think, um, Matt got it as well. Did he? Yeah, Matt got it. Yeah, he did. Right, first one is for Nick. First question, Nick. Who is the second highest scoring Welshman for Liverpool behind Ian Rush? Dean Saunders. No, it's actually John Tosha.
2: I was gonna to say Toshak, yeah. Should have oh, given me that me that good one start. That's John <laughs>
0: Tosha. Okay, your first question, Peter, is Who wore the number eight shirt before it was taken over by Steven Gerrard? Oh my
1: god.
2: <laughs> um I know that one. Do you know that one, Nick? Yeah? No, I don't really know. I'm just putting pressure on you. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say someone outrageous like I don't know Leonardson.
0: Nah, you're gonna kick yourself. Who? Emilio Heskey. Oh,
2: oh my, my god! Joe <laughs> you know what? I had them on the back of my shirt as well. What are <laughs> the <laughs> it's the. Hey, that's, that,
3: that's, that's one I've of the things.
2: <laughs> Whoever invented that, putting names on the back of
1: the shirt and having squad numbers, must have been linked, mustn't they? Come on, be honest. We didn't yeah, have them yeah. in our day. You just get you got picked one to ten or uh, one to eleven, so ten outfield shirts and the keeper. But whoever yeah. came up with that was a masterstroke, wasn't
0: it? Showing me age now, but when I was a kid, we couldn't get the um, even shirt numbers on the back. And I used to get like one of my old shirts and draw a number seven on the back. My mum used to go crazy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, put them on your shorts, innit? Remember when you used to have the numbers on the shorts as well?
0: Yeah, that's it. And then like once the Premier League started, the names and numbers all came in and that was it. It just, uh, just took off, didn't it?
1: Yeah, that businessman, he sorted that out. He
0: certainly did. Right, second question for yourself, Nick, is... Who was Kenny Dalglish's last signing during his first spell as manager?
1: His first spell? Uh, so yeah. The last one would have been... i got a funny story about him, if it's the one I think. I would say... Oh, I've got one or two. I'm going to say... Paul Stewart. No, it was actually David Speedy. Oh No, seriously, I was going to say David Speedy because... <laughs> we, no I was honestly because we had a story about him and Graham Sooners on the aeroplane and it, it was hilarious it was on the, one of the trips abroad and he was he had a few drinks he was calling Graham Soonis Rottweiler so it, it, it was quite funny and he, he, I think he was left at the airport we didn't see him again so it was one of them where he got <laughs> off the plane but I was going to say speedo honestly I had the, one of the two but I got the wrong one so if there is a tie break that's technically <laughs>
3: nice
1: you know. no. <laughs> no. not
0: to worry Second question for yourself, Peter, is Who scored the first goal for Liverpool under
2: Jurgen Klopp's reign? Emery Chan It's a very good answer I remember it was a German A German for a German Good stuff, P Okay,
1: next one Is that right, is it?
2: Yeah, it yeah, I that. In that,
1: you've Chan. colluded there. You've texted him and told him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I will not do that. Um, <laughs> you should have said. How would you say? How would you say Chan? Because I think it's John Bradley in it on the commentary keeps saying Jian. Still, I think he's the only one who does it now. But I used to keep tweeting him when they were going Emery Jian, or at say in a funny. <laughs> it's Chan, isn't it? It is Chan. It's we confirmed yeah. that. Yeah, good.
0: Yeah, someone call <laughs> Someone call him like you said, Emery
2: Jun. <laughs>
1: But Gian, that's what John Bradley does it on the LFC TV, but I think he stopped doing
2: it now. There's loads yeah. of them, like Smeisen, Honcho, and used to have Smeetzer, Smeetzer, <laughs> yeah. Henchos, Honcho. Yeah. Sammy Henchos. Hi- Hypier, Hoopia, Hoopier. Yeah, Hypier. <laughs> they're kites, they kites. Used to be loads, didn't they? <laughs>
0: yeah. These pronunciations. Right, okay, then, so where are we up to? It's 1 uh, 0 to Peter. Third question to Nick. Right, here we go. Who provided the assist for Dejan Lovren's header in the dramatic win against Borussia Dortmund last season
2: Milner very good answer Nick good answer. Yeah. I remember I was slating him from the paddock <laughs> <laughs> so he was, put, that's what I said so was everybody else he put a corner in about um, 20 seconds before it well about, <laughs> I say about a minute before it didn't beat the first man everyone yeah. was screaming at him and the next thing he goes and uh, chips that's one in great. right on Lovren's head I would just say he puts every corner in the
1: same place I did a a commentary for Radio Merseyside last year and I saw uh, Martin Allen the old QPR player and I seen him at the West Ham game and we were laughing I said watch Milner with his corners it goes in the keeper's hands he puts two hands I don't know what he does but he puts two hands up and then he he puts it in the keeper's hands he puts one hand up he puts it in the keeper's hands so he just (laughs) does the same all the time so thank God he's not taking corners anymore
0: I think that's his indication to the keeper right I'm going
3: to (laughs) come and
1: get this yeah but we were laughing our heads off. I said, hey, "I'll have a ten-pound bet with you. The first corner Milner gets, he sticks it, and the keeper catches it." And it, he, well, he did. He just knocked it straight into his hat in the keeper's hands. But yeah, I can remember that because he was having a. Yeah, he, didn't he provide the cross for the other goal as well? One of the other goals. You he put the corner. I think he actually crossed it for two for, for two goals of the or, Yeah, so two assists. Yeah, it might have been Sarcos. Yeah, charcles. quite
2: possibly yeah. was Sarko's, Yeah. yeah. One, honest, one, was four le- four one was a left foot, and
1: one was a right foot cross.
2: Yeah, it that's was, what I yeah. can
1: remember about. It. That should yeah. be an extra point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. You're I kind I got one right. I'm happy with
2: that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so it's uh,
0: it's one apiece. And now we're on to your third question, Mr. Collis. Right. Cool. Who scored the final goal of the Brendan Rodgers reign?
2: Danny Ings.
0: Another good answer in the Merseyside derby. He oh.
2: did. That's 2-1 to Peter. Okay. I, remember, I remember that game. I remember being there at Goodison, and after and when the final whistle went, Rodgers come over, and it was just, uh, wow, it was uh, thing, yeah. like a farewell clap. And I remember saying, "He's, yeah. he's got after this." Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: It was his little hand clap.
1: Yeah, look at the difference in him on the sidelines, up to the clock. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching oh, okay. some back the other day when they were showing the goal. He, I don't think he even got animated when Suarez was scoring on him goals from about forty yards and stuff. <laughs> he turned around and he showed him, and he was still doing a little clap with his hands. I was, come on, Right in his little notepad. Yeah. Yeah, fish and chips he was putting in there. I gotta fish I'll got get the missus some fish and chips. <laughs> right. Fourth question for yourself,
0: Nick. Yep. Who scored the last goal for Liverpool during
1: the fifteen sixteen season? I thought you were gonna say fifteen twenty-two then. Um fifteen sixteen season. Yep, the the last, last goal, yeah, it would have been anti it would have been 15 something Coutinho
0: give you a little clue it was the Euro- Europa
1: League Cup Final wasn't it you can give me a clue no I said Coutinho so no I'll stick with that oh sorry I...
0: it's actually Daniel Sturridge in the Europa League Final alright
1: well there we are <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that one I not it? <laughs> <laughs> okay Peter your fourth question yeah.
0: From which club did Liverpool sign Momo Sissoko? Oh,
2: Valencia.
1: Nailed it again.
2: Raffer- there's a
1: conspiracy going on here. You're text. <laughs> I can hear you texting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, no conspiracy. He's on the verge of signing for Everton, wasn't he? He was.
0: Yeah, he was actually. Raffer- um Yeah. He played in the game at Anfield, and it was during the warm up. I remember a story about uh, the Liverpool coaching staff watching the game, and it was Momo Sissoko who took the eye, um, and he followed them ever since, and ended up signing him from from Valencia. Yeah, so that's it. Yeah. Fifth question for yourself, Nick: Who scored the winning penalty for Liverpool versus Rome in 1984?
2: Alan Kennedy. A.K. A.K. is correct.
0: Yeah. So that's three apiece, isn't it? So, Peter, no, I'm only on two. Are you on two? Sorry.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. cheat. I can't cheat. I'm no good at that.
2: Honest
1: I'm... man.
0: <laughs> <Got to laughs> I'm keeping scores wrong there. Okay, Peter, your fifth and final question, anyway. You have took the quiz, but your fifth and final question is Who scored two goals for Liverpool in the 2005 Super Cup final versus CSKA Moscow?
2: <sighs> right. 2005. <laughs> I'm torn between Cissé and Garcia. Who's that text going? I can hear the text going then. No text. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go for, I'll go Gibril Cissé.
1: He's
0: going to think that it's a conspiracy
2: because that's correct. Is it right? (laughs) 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 Us cot table boys stick together.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can see what's going on here. Lucky we didn't have any money on it.
2: He's
0: just—he's uh,
2: just very good with his uh, with his with his knowledge and. A, I'm a born a more, Nick, honestly.
0: <laughs> yours is a bit more up to date than Nick's, to be fair. But Nick, you'll have another chance on Monday night anyway against the uh, Manchester United fans. So yeah. um,
1: Well, I've never lost against them. I, I played, I think, four times. Never been on the losing side against Man United. So you know that's one of the questions you could across,
0: have asked. Uh, Fingers crossed that that trend continues. So then
1: come the game with me on Monday, Nick. So uh, <laughs> <guess laughs> no, that's on the pitch. I can't. I, I don't know about it in the stands. <laughs> but yeah. I did. No, <laughs> just another little fact. I, every time I've done radio Merseyside commentaries, I've never lost a game there. The only game I've what I've done where we lost was the West Ham FA Cup extra time. So in ninety minutes, I'd never watched them lose. How about that? Never commented on them losing in the old co-commentary cool box.
2: So uh, <laughs> good little start. Okay. Yeah,
1: what we're going to
2: do
0: now is play our bands and their artists because it's a special edition podcast that we're going to play uh, two songs tonight. The first song that we're going to play is called What's It Like in Liverpool by Mark Kenny. I'm going to read you a little bio about uh, about Mark that he uh, sent me tonight.
1: Oh, we, hang, on, hang on a minute, we only got a two hour podcast. I've seen what he sent you, go
0: It'll <laughs> be <here> a week. <laughs> I know. I'll just read in a, a, little, a little snippet of what Mark sent me. Mark uh, released What's It Like in Liverpool on Cavern Records. He's had over a half a million views already. Mark holds a re- residency gig in the world famous Cavern Club in Liverpool. And Phil Neal said, I'm a better singer than him. Q, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I like it. <laughs>
1: That what was Friday night I'm... at the Luton show. Mark's, Mark's on my shows as well, the Euro um, show, so winner shows. He's a great lad as well. So, yeah, good song and, as well.
0: Uh, uh, yeah. The song that I'm going to play for you, the first song I'm going to play for you tonight is called What's It Like in Liverpool by Mark Kenny. I wish I
3: were there. No, I wish you were here. It's not yet been a month, I know. But it feels a year. I can write a letter. I'll probably do that too. For now I'll write a song and i sing it just for you. Oh, we are. What's it like in Liverpool? Although I'm half the world away, you know that I'll be coming home to you. Can you Smile. Can you make it all worthwhile without you? I don't know what I would do. But I'll be home soon. When you go to sleep, close your eyes and dream a dream. There's nowhere that the mind can't reach. There's nothing that the eye can't see. Liverpool soon be there. We will dance without a care. Without that I know, we must go. The city waits for you. Oh, yeah. What's it like in Liverpool? Although I'm half the world away, you know that I'll be coming home to you. Can you raise a smile? Can you Penny Lane. You know that she loves you. What's it like in Liverpool? Oh, I'm halfway away. You know that I'll be coming home to you. Can you raise a smile? Can you make it all But I'll be coming home to you Can you raise a smile?
0: The next band I'm going to play for you tonight on the uh, the Nick Tanner interview special edition podcast by The Cop Table is from Burning Astronomers. These lads come from the muddy banks of the Mersey and the silting backwaters of the Seven Delta in distant Shropshire. The lads are writers and performers of original songs, two school friends who met many years ago. The lads have self-produced three albums and more recently five EPs working with them. Producers such as Simon J Weaver. You can follow these guys on Twitter. Uh, their handle is at astronomer1971. You can also follow them on Facebook, YouTube, and SoundCloud. So the track I'm going to play for you tonight is called "Love Rebranded" by Burning Astronomers. Thanks very much uh, to Nick Tanner for coming on the Cop Table podcast tonight uh, with a special
1: edition interview. Hope you enjoyed the show, Nick. Yeah, don't forget we got my, we're got. we going to give some tickets aren't we, for the, um, the European shows, my Euro winners shows with the old Liverpool Legends lads. So if people keep listening in, we'll um, we'll do something before the Man United game, I expect. And ask a question. I can ask a question then, can't I?
0: You certainly can. Yeah, on uh, Monday... Yep. Night uh,
1: on <laughs> Monday. Both evening. you Peters won't get it. No, no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: so on,
0: just... uh, Monday night's evening, Monday evening's podcast, uh, the Manchester United preview. Nick's coming back on the show and he's going to be asking the question and uh, the listeners can uh, get the chance to win some tickets to the Shankly Hotel Legends show on the 10th of November. So stay tuned for that one and with a chance to win tickets for the show. So yeah, once again, thanks very much,
1: Nick. No problem. Don't forget, people can buy tickets online if they follow me at Nick Tanner seven nine nine. And for everyone, this bought uh, via Eventbrite. Five pounds goes to Charlie's Chance charity. So we're trying to, I'm trying to give a bit back to everybody and, and keep them in the limelight and stuff. And then on the evening, we're going to be doing. Uh, we got Robbie Green, the darts player. We're going to do a bit of charity darts. So you better get practicing both of you because I want to yep. see you on the stage. <laughs> um, Certainly. And we're raising money on the night for the Shankly Family Foundation. So um, we're hoping to have Charlie and his family there, and uh, his mum and dad and everybody that's raised money. So we're going to try and have a good, you know, good shindig for them. I and hopefully Charlie will be able to come along as well. And um, like I said, raising money on the night for the Shankly Family Foundation. So it'll be a great night.
0: Absolutely fantastic stuff, Nick. Yeah. And we're really looking forward to that. So yeah, everybody uh, listening, get out there, get your tickets for the show. It's going to be a, a great evening and uh Follow, follow Nick on Twitter. Follow us on the cop table and you'll see all the uh, the retweets going out. So get involved, get your tickets, give some money to Charlie's Chance and um, yep. come down and enjoy a fantastic evening of uh, entertainment.
2: Brilliant.
1: Looking forward to it. Yeah, be good. As I said, get practicing your doors because we have got Robbie Green we're going to think of something to do on there, and we might even get the lads from the Liverpool Echo on there, so we can throw darts at them with all the rubbish they write in their papers.
0: Not a problem. Yeah, we had uh, Robbie Green on the on the podcast last week, so yeah. yeah, he was a good guest, and we'll have we'll have a little bit of banter with Rob. I think uh, I think I'll let Peter play the darts against him now.
1: <laughs> you well no i think we could blindfold him couldn't we we'll we think of something if the, what, one thing we can do is if the the listeners want to want to sort of work out a format what we can do and how we can raise money if anybody's out there listening that that wants to you know sponsor it by saying a pound a point or something or just just come up with something so we can raise some money and everybody will, will give generously and we'll we'll get a few people up on stage playing in the uh, I'm sure Bruce, he'll have a go. He might bring his blow darts along with him. That's any problem. So <laughs> anyway, I did see him play darts in Bristol once, so just quickly, and uh, he wasn't very good. So if, you, if you're if putting your money on anybody, don't put it on Bruce. He's probably got one of them big sponge hands with the fingers sticking up. <laughs> well, one of the funniest things, that, well, I'll tell you that on another story. But I got, I, like I said, I've got loads of stories for, for all the lads, so it'd be nice if we can get some of them on. And, and if people do want to ask questions, as long as they're sensible, we don't mind trying to answer them. Obviously, I'm not going to, drop anybody in it it's just funny questions you know funny stuff and with the bribery scandals going on I mean Bruce was acquitted of all that sort of stuff but we you know everybody's got some good stories about that we've all had a laugh with him and I'm sure he takes it in a good way so I look forward to speaking to you all soon
0: thanks very much Nick so that's the special edition cop table podcast interview with Nick Tanner all done tune in on Monday night for the Manchester United preview thanks very much from the cop table good night